You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. In this episode, the return of a familiar face in an infamiliar role. But stay tuned as over the next few days, we'll have tons of audio from development camp, as well as a chat with the LA Kings insider, and hopefully a chance to check in with a member of the hockey development staff. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Joining me today from The Athletic, Josh Cooper. How are you doing today, Josh? Great. Wearing my uh, athletic swag. <laughs> yeah, you uh, Very soft. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, I have family that works in tech, and they were like, oh, you got free swag. And it's like working for a tech company now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. So Josh Cooper of The Athletic, previously interim LA Kings Insider, previously Yahoo's Puck Daddy blog, previously of The Tennessean. That's all correct. You can even go all the way back to the Decatur Daily in Decatur, sure. Alabama. So you join The Athletic. Everybody who joins The Athletic writes the Why Did I Join The Athletic article. You've written yours, but I'll give you a chance to sum it up. Why, Josh, why did you join The Athletic? Well, first off, I'm waiting for John Tavares to write his Why I Joined The Athletic. Actually, it's funny. I've seen a lot of like kind of Twitter polls out there saying, who will John Tavares join? The Sharks, the Maple Leafs, stay with the Islanders, or The Athletic? So it's pretty funny. But no, it's a great opportunity. I think that it's a very forward-thinking organization. They get sports coverage. They know where sports coverage is going. The business model is sound. And it was something that I just couldn't pass up to try to help tell more stories in Southern California about hockey. You and I have had a lot of private discussions between ourselves about the the nature of the business and where it's headed. And, you know, with the demise of local newspapers, you know, what's going to happen to sports reporting. And, and you're right. It seems like The Athletic is now everybody's beat reporter. It, re- it really is. And it's interesting in the sense of just especially on hockey – I mean, granted, I've been paying much closer attention to our content since I started working there, but, I mean, I just don't... I, it's, it, to me, it's the best place for overall hockey coverage around the National Hockey League. I mean, you have so many reporters, both locally and nationally, who are doing work. I mean, you basically, if you enjoyed ESPN.com's coverage before Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside and Joe McDonald got let go, they're all back and they're all working for us. Uh, if you enjoyed Katie Strang's NHL coverage when she was with the with the ESPN, she's working for us too. Craig Custance also. So, I mean, and then you take that incredible core and supplement it with other just phenomenal uh, beat reporters and uh, journalists all over this country and mm-hmm. Canada as well. I mean, James Myrtle, I mean, here in Los Angeles, myself, Lisa Dillman, who covered the Kings for a long, long time and whose father was was a legend in hockey. And then on top of that, Eric Stevens, who is pretty much the authority on the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, you know, it's if it's, you're into that sort of thing. Well, yes, I don't think any listener on this podcast <laughs> is. But if you want to read a very nice yeah. feature on, for example, right now on Patrick Eves, uh, and his, I guess, illness, which they still don't really 100% know what it is. Uh, but the first public interview of Pat, or I guess by Patrick Eves mm-hmm. to someone, Lisa and Eric did a great job on it. So uh, we've got you covered here in Southern California in regards to hockey. So you yourself have gone from being a beat reporter to more national coverage now back to a beat of a sort. What are the challenges that come with covering one team as compared to covering an entire league? It's just very more, it's more focused, but I think that it was more challenging covering the whole league. And what I find kind of funny about all that is I remember 
when I was younger, my whole goal was to cover the league, and then you do it, and you realize that you just get really great local relationships when you're a local beat reporter, right. and you don't have those same relationships when you're league-wide. Now, granted, you get great relationships with people with the league, uh, and I was able to just meet a lot of very interesting people there, and some owners, and GMs, and uh, and just management types, but overall, you don't have that same kind of hyper-local um, I guess relationship building with coaches, players, uh, just people in the community, and it's it's going to be fun to go back to that. It was always interesting to me to hear you talk about the Kings organization, not the product on the ice necessarily, but how it's run, how it treats reporters, you know, all of the different layers of employees that that are involved in this industry outside of the the players. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could just sort of tell Kings fans your impression of the organization, because I think most people have a tendency uh, to become, you know, accustomed to what they're used to, right? I mean, I, that's a repetitive phrase, but I mean, you, you don't appreciate the the good things you have because you get used to it, and then all you, you know, you can just complain. So talk talk a little bit about about what the Kings organization does right that maybe Kings fans don't see behind the scenes. Well, well that's a, that's really, it's kind of funny you ask that because that's kind of a reporter question. I've always sort of had the belief that people don't care about what we, did, what we do to do our jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can just say firsthand, um, you know, what, one of the reasons I moved to L.A. three years ago was to work with them. Um, the Ducks as well, too, obviously. But, I mean, I, I really have, in my years of being around hockey, it's an organization that I've always really enjoyed working with and being able to work for them this year in a more contracted type role was just a wonderful experience for me. So uh, nothing but great things to say about them. And overall, you know, I tell people who are fans of them, I just basically say you should be very, very happy that you're a fan of this organization because they do things the right way. And it and you sh- and it's it should make you feel good to know that you're a fan of this team. I realize that's a bit self-serving to ask that question, given that we are the official podcast of the LA Kings. But it's true. It's honestly, for me, it's 100% true. And I, I tell, again, as I said, if I, I talk to fans, um, and when they ask me what I do, and I you know, brought up some of the contract work I did with the team this year, I just try to always bring up the fact that, again, if, if you're a fan of this team, just know that your money is being very well spent because they do things the right way. Yeah, I think the reason I ask, and I, I think it is important for fans to remember sometimes, um, and I've seen a lot of commentary about, especially surrounding the Kovalchuk signing, where they say, you know, it's, uh, oh, same old, same old. You know, this is the Dave Taylor era Kings. They're just dumpster diving, money wasted. You know, they you know they won the cup, and now they've got us hooked and baited for another blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's I think it's easy to forget sometimes that this is a, a pretty complicated uh, organ. All every professional sports organization. It's more than is, just but- players, and and it's funny because I when when I was doing work with them, I remember having to do a story on um, the Run Club with Daryl Evans, mm-hmm. and that's just something you don't see in other markets. Just like the Run Club in general, and then you go down the charity page, and there's so many creative di- ways that they try to a get the name out there of the organization, but also do things to positively impact other people. And it's kind of funny, actually, believe it or not, today, uh, my nine-month-old son was at a Bailey book reading at a library and got to meet Bailey. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's really... It's yes, like in my position, you have to be unbiased, and you had technically unbiased, uh, well, obviously unbiased, but and you have to, you know, really kind of look past that. But in my past sort of year working with them, they really 
treated me very well, and they treated I saw they treated a lot of other people really well. You mentioned the Run Club. It's also I think the tenth anniversary of the Ice Crew, and you have you know Brooklyn Boyers who has now moved up to running Game Ops. You've got Carlin Baith who's gone on to you know um, be a Fox Sports uh, West reporter. You've got Deb Blue who writes pieces. I mean it's. Anyway, I just wanted to take a second to <laughs> to, to get a, a third party uh, opinion of the franchise. But let's move into the I team. forgot who was the person who sang the anthem at the All Star Game again. Uh, one, yes, uh, Christine, yeah. I think was. Her I don't name? remember one of the name, one of the Ice Girls. Yeah, yeah hopefully no, you know absolutely. that. Hopefully that keeps going somewhere. That yeah. was really cool how that all worked out. <laughs> so the Kings signed Ilya Kovalchuk. Let's talk about on the ice. You're now you know required to pay attention to the kings more than every other team yeah, um, i always did before but sure yeah, but more so now yeah um but i mean what's your take on the global joke signing? you know they didn't have to give up a player um which it was crucial for them because mm-hmm. if you look at what's happened with them in the past with andre sakara having to get the first was first round pick to get him right yeah, yeah i believe first round pick uh, milan lucic where they ended up giving up well let's not yeah, even talk about it yeah i mean but, which but in essence, ended up being good they didn't re-sign him, but they still lost an asset that could have been tradable. Um, Three assets, like, but yeah. No, no, but I mean like in Lucic not being able to oh, re-sign yes, him. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, like, okay. Even though his career is sort of spiraled in Edmonton, you lose someone who you can't yeah. get, like not someone who you can deal right, to right. some degree. Like he could be an asset to some degree, even though he ended up being really expensive. But uh, So and with the Kovalchuk, Kovalchuk I, I always... I always butchered his last name. I'm not going to correct um, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember a coach once called Dustin Bufflin by Fuglian. I mean, it was... But <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, so mm-hmm. with, with Kovalchuk, um, I, I think they look at him as a guy they didn't have to give up anything to get him. It was just money. It was just... Now, granted, there is a cap space element, so it's not... Like, you're not giving up something to get mm-hmm. a guy like that. But what I wrote for The Athletic, and yes, please subscribe to, <laughs> to read the whole thing, so I'll give you a little tease of it, but... Uh, it puts them in the driver's seat this summer for what they want to do. It gives them flexibility. It gives them more options. Uh, it's some they were able to make a move t- that made this team better. And it's kind of funny, like just listening to some other podcasts. And I've listened to listen to Thirty One Thoughts on my run, and one thing that uh, they brought up on that podcast, Penelope Freeman and Jeff Merrick, uh, was the fact that you signed Ilya Kovalchuk, Kovalchuk, Kovalchuk. I'm just going to say both. Um, and now you have this sort of this core that's a little bit older. Why not just go all in on it right now? Yeah. And that's kind of what this move is. It's like, yeah, he's 35 years old. You signed up for three years. But if you go to the conference final or the cup final this year, the three years is worth it. Uh, you just deal with the fact that the last two years it may be a little bit difficult, but but it, but you, you you do have an aging core and you, you kind of need to keep things afloat with them as the younger influx of talents uh, comes in. A guy like you know, Gabe Velarde, who by all uh, you know from what I could gather is is NHL ready right now. Um, you know Jared Anderson, Dolan, and uh, you know Rasmus Kapari and all these guys. I mean, kind of keep keep things afloat before these guys sort of come in and take some of those roles. And it seems like a bunch of them are really, really solid players. I mean, everything I get on Gabe Velarde just is nothing but incredibly positive. So I should hope so, given given his performance in juniors. You mentioned the 31 Thoughts podcast. I was listening to the Morning Bagger podcast oh. with the former King Patrick O'Sullivan. Oh. And he had an interesting point that I had not his yet. His podcast is the Morning Bagger? Yeah, it's, it's um, honestly, it's great. I'm trying, to, great trying to get him on this podcast yeah. to talk about it because he's great and it's great. But, but he pointed out um, that it's not, 
you shouldn't focus on the cap hit so much as you should focus on what percentage of the total cap hit it is. And he said, since we've had the increase in the total salary cap, 6.5 isn't as as big a percentage as it was last year, two years, five it years. It keeps going up, yeah. And I, and I thought to myself, that's fascinating. When Dustin Brown signed his extension back in 2013, I think, and it was, oh, God, it sounds like the air conditioning is going to take off. Um, but it's anyway. fine. I'm starting to sweat a little bit. Um, Probably because I'm wearing my athletic <laughs> Your athletic hoodie. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, but I said at the time when, when Dustin Brown signed it, at, right now it hurts a little bit. But if the cap keeps going up and if he keeps producing the way he, he was, now he, you know, he had a couple down years. But, you know, you look at the season he had now and at five point whatever it was, it's not that big a deal. And yeah. you look at Kovalchuk and if Kovalchuk can score 30 goals or, or, or 60 points, 6.5 isn't that big a, a knock as it, 6. like I said. 5. Okay, six point even less. Than. Yeah, then it, it's reported six point. It, it's not that it's, it doesn't hurt as much as it would have three years ago, and I think that's important to, to remember. Well, what I also find kind of interesting though is like kind of counterpoint to that, and I agree with you one hundred percent. But kind of counterpoint to that is you look at the money that the Kings have tied up into next season, yeah, and the and the cap's got to go up. I mean, hopefully for them the cap goes up, but you look at the money they've tied into next season. I think they have some level of like sixteen million. If in a flat cap scenario, it's like around sixteen million dollars, and you have to re-sign Drew Doughty. Yeah, uh, Adrian Kempe is going to yeah. get a raise for sure. I have follow mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Brickley. They're very high on. He's going to be a restricted free agent. I guess the hope is that he challenges for a roster spot this year, and if he gets an NHL roster spot and plays relatively well, he will make more probably than the 925, I think it's 925 or 950,000 yeah. he's making. Uh, but but anyway, you're going to, it's, in a flat cap scenario, it's a little rough, but if the cap goes up, it's helpful. But, uh, but yeah. one thing that someone mentioned to me, which I thought was kind of interesting, is that over the life of the, of, uh, the Kovalchuk contract, uh, both Dowdy and Toffoli come up for new deals, which could create a little bit of cap crunch, but also... I think the year that Defoli comes up for a new contract, and I think Muzzin does that year as well. You have some other deals that could come off the books. Well, so, Thompson's deal comes off at the end of next year. Yeah. Matt Green's buyout comes off. Yeah, the Mike Richards the too. Yeah, his so, decline. Yeah, yeah, his decreases. Uh, ultimately, I think, and we've said this repeatedly on this podcast. Ultimately, between now and February. Mm. There has to be a move made. Yeah. Because, yes, next summer, Dowdy needs a raise. Kempe needs a raise. I follow needs a raise. There's a bunch of guys that will either need 10% raises on their, you know, qualifying offers or will need significant bumps. And at the the moment, they really only have 300 in cap space. And I'm super fascinated to see what Dowdy gets in his next contract just because I've heard everything all over the map (laughs) from like 9.5 million on the low end to like 12 million. I'm not sure that they'll maintain this pattern, but in previous contract negotiations, I think it's been understood that Kopitar will be the highest paid player. But that's not to say that Dowdy couldn't get some sort of deal that was either front-loaded or had signing bonuses where he may wind up technically making more money in, you know, a handful of years, but over the breadth of the contract, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, that seemed to be a, a Lombardi rule. I don't know if, if... I'd love to see what his agent has to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well... It, <laughs> me too. Because <laughs> I'd like to see Drew Doughty and Ajay Kopitar retire as LA Kings. I think you will. 
It's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, well, I mean, here's hoping. Their um, numbers will be the raise to the rafters. <laughs> of course, Jeff Carter's will be higher in your mind. You Not know, in mine, but maybe the Royal House. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, moving into next season... I'm not even going to try and predict who's going to make the playoffs and who's not because I've got a terrible, pretty terrible track record in recent seasons. But how do you see the Pacific Division shaking out moving forward? Well, I don't know. It's such a confusing... Uh, it, it really honestly depends on what happens at the CAA offices and whether <laughs> the San Jose Sharks yeah. uh, get John Tavares, which if they do... It's sorry, I know it's the Kings podcast, but you probably have to say they're the favorites to win the division. Uh, Vegas, I keep doubting them, but maybe I should stop at some point. But I can't see all their guys having this type of year again. But they uh, could also get Tavares. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're not invited. According, oh, are they according not? to the people who are <laughs> right. staking out you know, the last, offices. Last I paid attention, yeah, they had a yeah. seat at the table. But uh, all right. st- staking out the offices, uh, a la Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah, I made that reference. Wow. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It sure was. I actually really like Stake Out the movie. Uh, it was really good. <laughs> But uh, but yeah no I I, I think that if they get Tavares yeah it's got to be San Jose if not it's it's a total free for all and I could definitely see the Kings winning the division which I know you know isn't something that happens really that often uh, once I think in franchise yeah history. but but they they're they, I I like this team how it's set up I mean I really do and I mean yeah you can't expect to have Kopitar for that you can't expect for Kopitar to have ninety two points again and Brown. Uh, have the year he had again, but I don't know. Just if you bring in a Gabe Velarde and just some of these younger guys and some of the guys in the minors who've kind of worked their way up, I, I, I like this team. I think it's a good group. I, you know, look, I'm obviously a totally biased homer, but I've said it last year and the year before that. When this team is healthy, Kopitar and Dowdy are trophy finalists, and Quick is as well. Well, yeah, you have... Like a top five goaltender, yeah. a top two defenseman. Uh, you can even say Quick is better than a top five. I mean, if, if it was a one game winner take all situation, I'd probably want him over yeah. anyone. Um, Kopitar, to me, is the best all around in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he should have won. Um, and if but, Carter's healthy, Kovalchuk's, you know, even half of what he was when he left. Kemp, you know, Velarde's any. I mean,. It just seems to me that last season, with a hell, with a with a with a damaged number two center, and a bottom six in constant flux, this was a team that was one win away from finishing second in the division. Well, and the thing too to have to remember about this Kings team is that I look at them in a lot of ways like the Penguins were kind of before they went on their second run. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that mean that's going to happen this way? Uh, I don't know, but what they essentially did is that. They had all these younger guys who kind of came up, were fast, were brought a lot of energy, and were able to supplement this core. And yes, they made a big trade in adding Phil Kessel, but but overall, it really pushed them in the direction where they are right now. It's not just about Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, though those guys obviously played a huge role. And so when I look at this Kings team, and I'm not going to say the Kings are going to win back-to-back Stanley Cups, it may be hard for them to win one, because it's really hard to win one just in general. But when yeah. I look at this Kings team, and I look at how they've sort of retooled, or they're trying to retool the bottom area, how Rob Blake hasn't given up a lot of picks over the last couple of years, uh, how they've really stayed the course on that front. I could see something similar happening there, because some of these guys, I mean, talking to an NHL scout, said that, Jared Anderson Dolan and Gabe Velarde, I mean, who knows if they make the league next year, 
but they did as well as you could possibly expect them to do last year. It was far and away the best case scenario for them. So you're hopeful that they make another step this summer. Maybe one of them makes the NHL, and then the following year another one makes it. And then you all of a sudden have a pretty decent bottom six. And uh, yeah, they've got to draft some defensemen maybe. But overall, I mean, they're... I think they're trending in the right direction. I really do. It, it was nice, uh, you know, yesterday at the end of development camp, you and I heard a bunch of people saying how much fun it was just for everybody in the organization to have a first and a second round draft well, pick in see, back-to-back years. Well, and not just that. <laughs> like, they were just raving over the talent they have there. Yeah. And that's not – it wasn't like they were ripping on the guys who were there before, but they were just like, we've got a lot to work with right yeah. now. And I remember back when I was in Nashville – when they went through the same thing and then they end up getting, you know, guys like Philip Forsberg and Colton Sissons and, and guys who are really helpful who were young guys that they had in development camp. And I just remember talking to a coach and he was just like, I can't remember the last time we had talent like this. And it wasn't a knock on the right. guys who they had had. It's just they had traded away a lot of people. And now through the rebuilding process, they had a lot of very talented young players. And look at that team now. I mean, they're set up really well for the next three or four years. What coach was that? I won't tell you. <laughs> it wasn't Stanley Cup winning coach Barry Trotz? It was not Barry Trotz. Oh, oh right. No, 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 right. no. It was an assistant coach. <laughs> I don't remember if it was one who ended up winning the Cup. That was fine. I, thought, I just yeah. was going to give you a chance to brag yeah. on your relationship with Barry Trotz. I'm big fan of his. Barry's a good guy. I think most people are. Really, uh, really good guy. Anyway, it sounds like the uh, air conditioning is beginning to spool up again, so I think I'm going to end it here. Josh, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. And, uh, and subscribe yeah, there you to go. The Athletic. And I promise no Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Disaster Artist references on the website. I, I don't believe you'll hold to that promise but, uh, but oh I will <laughs> but you should absolutely subscribe to The Athletic and follow Josh on Twitter and uh, we'll talk to you all season long Josh absolutely thanks Jesse